Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Hey, welcome to Standing in Faith, Season 2. This is Kat. I'm in the studio with Jeff. Hello. And David. Hi. Uh, There's a section in Hebrews 11, which that was Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. In the chapter previous, which I uh, would commend everyone to go read all of the book of Hebrews anyway, um, there's a verse I really like, chapter 11, verse 35. Um, It says, uh, it's in the second half, it says, others were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. I just liked that. They didn't want to trade this life for the next. That's good stuff. So there was a lot about endurance and enduring in chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, right? I mean, Jesus demonstrated for us what endurance looks like. Um, I went to Vines and did some did some research on the word endure. And and this is just my personal conclusion. Mm-hmm. My personal conclusion is that's a, a kind of a modern word. Um, and it has lots of meanings. There was, I think, maybe eight different words that could be translated um, as endure or endurance. And here's what, the, here's what Vines has to say about endurance. Okay. To abide under... To bear up courageously, to take it patiently, to tarry and wait for, to hold up, and to be steadfast. So um, there, there's also some reference to long-suffering mixed in all that. Mm-hmm. So the thing that was super encouraging to me when I started to to realize that a lot of those things are attributes that we acquire through and from God himself. Similar to, I mean, season one, we talked a lot about faith being something that it's a, it's a characteristic of who God is. He's faithful, and faith comes from him and gets deposited into each person. I think endurance follows suit. I think we all have some ability of natural endurance, but then I also think that to be patient, to be long-suffering, to be steadfast, those, those are qualities I find in the character of God himself. Yeah. So I think what we need to do, kind of going back to what it started with, to abide, right, is I think we need to abide in him and source that endurance from him instead of ourselves. He is the perfecter of our faith, not our own selves. He's the author of it, and he will perfect our faith if we submit to him and truly be his disciples and not get offended and turn away. Yeah, I, I think of the uh, 
parable that Jesus gave about the seed among, and especially the one that he says, he who received, this is from uh, Matthew 13, starting at verse 20. But he who received the seed on stony places, this he, is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So I think when we talk about the whole idea of abiding is that's where our roots come. And of course, of course, abiding in him, it all comes down to one thing, and that's humility. It comes back to that because, you know, when you look at that parable of the sower, ultimately the good ground where the seed fell was a heart that was uh, open, a heart that was teachable, a heart that, that was wide open to God, that wanted everything from him. And it's able to grow roots down. It's able to, to really abide in him. Um, and I think that's something that's a daily occurrence in our lives, is this whole abiding in it. Because it says, I'll, I abide in you. I mean, first the first thing that happened was you didn't go abide in him. He, he came into your life became one spirit with your spirit from 1 Corinthians 6, 17. 17. Uh, he became one spirit with your spirit. and But then he said, I abide in you, and then you abide in me, etc. So it's this big uh, abiding thing of him and me. And, he, and I think it, it's, it's really learning to meditate on that and walk with that and allow that kind of relationship to grow uh, and become passionate with because that's what's going to take you through the hard stuff, the hard times, when things get stormy or things get bad. You're going to be able to go right into that place. So I think our culture that we live in here is a, is a very self-sufficient, individualistic culture. Right, and that to me ties into what you were talking about. Right, I'm going to put my own roots down. Mm-hmm. Right, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Right, that to me, obviously based on that parable, isn't going to work when some hard times come. Mm-hmm. Right, the hard times come, and then the roots aren't deep enough. But yet, when we, I guess you could use the word humility, but when we allow ourselves to be grafted into the vine itself, I am not a master gardener. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I do know that I've seen some incredibly ancient vines um, over in Europe that look like almost like tree trunks. They're so huge, Mm -hmm. right? And that that root system is incredibly established and can endure droughts. I mean, there's no way it gets to be that size mm-hmm. anytime quickly. Um, so when I'm thinking, I, at least in my, in my imagination, I, you know, I see this huge, huge, robust, healthy master vine trunk 
right? And that we get grafted into that. And a grafting, the, the grafting process isn't, isn't dainty, right? It's, it's something gets cut off and then it gets cut such that it can essentially, I would use the word splice into the, that root structure. Mm-hmm. But I'll be honest with you, that root structure gets cut too, it's not just the branch that's being cut to be grafted in. There needs to be two cuts. There mm-hmm, needs to be mm-hmm. a cut in the branch and then a cut in the vine. And then then they're put together and they're wrapped and they're balmed and right so that they can it essentially starts to build its life force from that vine. Um I love that imagery of that from the standpoint of it kind of ties back to that's how one abides, right? Is that, yep, there's, there's going to be some, uh, I hesitate to use painful, but right, w- we need to be cut so that we can be grafted in. Um, but it, the vine needs to be cut too. So metaphorically, right, there's, there's got to be some, something in each of us that gets cut off such that it can be grafted into God and his spirit, which also needs to have a place for us to be put into, and that needs to be cut. I'm immediately thinking of all the prophecies, like, by his stripes we are healed, and by his wound, like, I'm just thinking of, like, Jesus being all the ways he was literally cut. Uh, This is what I was thinking of when you were saying that, Mm -hmm. that the vine was cut. For us to be grafted in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the topic today is endurance, right? But I think that this is a really nice metaphor for us to be able to, to, to take hold of in the fact that, right, that vine does have to endure, but the, the trunk, right, is ultimately what provides its, its life source after it's been grafted. Um, and I think that that's where we can acquire the deep roots that will enable us to endure droughts and hardships and floods and hot weather and cold weather. Right? That, that vine, that, that trunk and all of those roots that go so deep, that's how that branch survives. And I think we need, to, we need to receive that rather than try to do it on our own. We need to be, I'll just go back to the word, humble enough to be able to receive that, right? That's how one endures, not by doing it yourself, right? But being grafted into the, I don't know what the right word is, um, the legacy maybe of that, that, that vine and the trunk and the structure of it. Well, you know, look at the scripture Cat read in the beginning as it were surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight, sin, that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. All right, so we've got a race to run that's set before us, but what does it say? Looking to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, Mm -hmm. who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, 
and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. He knows how to endure. So if we're going to run a race of endurance, it makes sense that we look to him. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me and, and you know, take your rest. That's because that's where you'll find rest. Come unto me, all you that labor, heavy laden. If you read that, <clears throat> it's a Matthew passage. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's a Matthew passage where he says, Come unto me, all you labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Take your, my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Um, and so I think that's the idea when we constantly think about this abiding, coming to Jesus, constantly looking to him, and that when we get into these kinds of situations, whatever it may be, our first and immediately, immediate response is to look to him. But if we've been looking to him, it should be easy for us to look to him when things get rough, things get difficult in our lives, things happen, whatever they may be. Um, it goes on for, Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And I don't know about you, but... Um, that'll listen to us, but I know that it's it's not always hard to become weary and discouraged in your souls. And a lot of that too has to do with learning to maintain your capacity. And where do we get our capacity from? From him, looking to him, out of that vine, opening those those you know, all of the veins in our life that says, Yes, God, more of you. I need you. I need you through this. I need you every day. I need you all the time. And, you know, a lot of times we say, okay, God, you saved me. Good. That's great. Now I've got it from here. You know, because we want to control our lives. Mm -hmm. That will get you in trouble ultimately. You know, it's interesting that you brought up capacity. So we call it the love tank at our house. So recently a feral cat decided to adopt my wife. Mm-hmm and followed us home and now has been been I think it's about a year that she's been with us. <clears throat> oh, she adores my wife. Just adores my wife. Me, I'm just tolerated because I'm there with her. <laughs> um but oh yeah, she adores my wife. And when we first got her, um she wanted to be pet for about 10 seconds. Right? You you can touch me. On my terms only, okay, that's enough, right? Ten seconds. Um, but gradually over time, right, the more time that she spent with Liz getting scratched behind the ears, then you can, all right, you can touch my neck. That kind of feels good. I like that, right? Oh, I like it down the back, too. That's nice. Oh, under my chin, right? So she built up her capacity, right, is what you use. But we call it the love tank. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, now it, her love tank, it's hard to fill. In the beginning, it was really easy to fill her love tank up, right? In 10 seconds, 20 seconds, oh, that's it. That was enough for her. Now, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes. We're like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, and her name is Gabby. It's kind of funny. It, that That is a fitting name because if you don't 
Now we've learned if you don't fill her love tank, she will meow until you do. So she's very demanding on that, right? <laughs> so I, I just think that that's, it's a funny, it's a tie-in to what you were saying, David, that, yeah, you know what? If we want to have that patient endurance through whatever challenge, through whatever hard times may come our way, through whatever may come towards us, even if it starts to turn into suffering or persecution, right? It's, to me, it's how, how deep are you with letting God fill your love tank? How tied in to you are spending time with him? Mm-hmm. Because if we are to keep our eyes on him and we want to be able to endure, sometimes we're called to endure something a little bit longer than what, in Gabby's example, 10 seconds, right? <laughs> now five minutes, That that's not... Sometimes it's days, weeks, months, for some people, years that they've had to be enduring. Well, how do you do that? To me, the only way you can endure that long is to be abiding in his presence and letting him fill you with that endurance. (laughs) You know, it's interesting when you're talking about pets in that way, and especially little dogs and how they are you know, always so loyal and loving and stuff. We've got a little dog that we adopted that's very much like that. But I was thinking, because um, I heard this the other day, it says, lock your wife and your dog in the trunk or your husband and your dog in the trunk of a car for half an hour. Then open that and you'll find out which one really loves you. Who's the first one that's excited to see you? <laughs> yeah. You know that that Yeah, makes don't me... do that at home. <laughs> right? Don't do that at home. That makes me think though of um when Abraham when when God said go sacrifice your son and Abraham is like, "All right. Well, let's go." You know, so if you really trusted, uh, you know, why wouldn't you be happy to see the one who locked you in if you trusted that they locked you in for, that something was going to come from it, all things work together for good, that God will redeem everything that happens to you or everything that you do or everything that will be done to you. Well, faith, this, this ties into faith your faith in an enduring faith, right? Mm-hmm. There, There's a reason we're talking about endurance because it so parallels faith, right? It's hard to endure if you didn't have faith. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would you want to go through hard times? And why would you look forward to what you read? Jesus counted it as joy, right? That's... That's maximum faith, right? To be able to to find joy in your endurance, that's maximum faith to me. Um, but yeah, I don't think any of us raise our hand for it. But when it comes, right, whenever I think of the word joy, I always think about uh, there was there was a class I took years and years and years ago, and it it talked about it talked about joy capacity and um 
right? We all have a joy capacity, similar to what I was talking about with the cat and the love tank. Um, but we have this joy capacity, and it defined joy as you being with another, and you were both really, really genuinely happy to be with each other. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. would be joy. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't necessarily giggling and laughter, but it was just a real, genuine, authentic connection with somebody where both you and that other person were were equally as content just to be in each other's presence. Mm-hmm. So it kind of ties back also to what we're talking about with endurance, right? Is that, yeah, I want... I, I think the best way to endure is to press in, right? The best way to endure whatever is just to press in closer. And when you use that word, because I, I hear it used a lot, understand it, but maybe some of our, our folks don't. What do you mean by pressing in? I would define pressing in as turning my focus, turning my attention on to God as opposed to my situation, my circumstances, or myself, so that he can be my strength. Um, And it it goes back to that Isaiah verse, right, that we quote all the time, those who hope or wait on the Lord will renew their strength. Um, They'll rise up on wings like eagles. They'll run the race um, without growing weary, so to me, when I'm thinking pressing in, I'm thinking, okay, I'm waiting on, I'm hoping on the Lord. I am intertwining with him. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm giving him my weakness for his strength, my my unbelief for his faith, mm-hmm. my, um, yeah, the things that I can't be and do myself, my 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 little patience for his lot of patience. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's coming to realize our need daily mm-hmm. for yeah. him in this context and everything. Yeah. Because when we start, you know, getting into this and thinking, oh, yeah, I got this and I'm – be careful because that's about the time, you know, you start spiraling down or something happens – uh, not because God created it, but something happens, and then you're lost because, you know, well, I've got this. Um, I think every day, I think humility is every day recognizing how much you don't have it. Mm. I think it, it, it's just like the Word of God. Um, when I first started reading as a young believer, and I read it through, and I knew it, and I thought I had, man, I've got this, and the Bible was becoming small to a degree. And then I grew up. <laughs> yeah, and got yeah. Out rid of my pride and, and all that around it. And now the Bible, to me, is so big. Yeah. I mean, it's huge. Yeah. You know, it just grows. And and I think that, that there's so much there that God wants to reveal because he's so big and so huge. And when we make our God small, put him in a box, you know, what's going to happen when he starts operating outside your little box, you're going to fall away from something. You're going to be like the one that 
only endures for a while and then he stumbles and falls because your God isn't big enough, really. And and we want God to be big because he is. He contains the universe within him, not just, you know, he created it and it's there. No, he contains it within himself. It's huge in that context. All things in heaven and in earth were created through him, by him. And for him. And for him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, talk about huge. I mean, it's beyond what we can possibly even fathom or imagine. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the mystery is it's deep and interpersonal and relational at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that that's probably um, one of the one of the most wonderful things about all of this when we think about enduring is really having right mindsets about God, right concepts about God. And, you know, there's always going to be that mystery. Job, if you read the book of Job, there was that mystery for Job about God because he, Job did not sin ever. And his friends were condemned at the end by God because, um, you know, they said, you misjudged Job and you told him the wrong, gave him the wrong information. And um, even though some of the stuff they were putting out there was good, it was not for Job. So, and, and he never, he, he, he never once had he sinned. It was just the kind of thing that took place. And, you know, it, that's what was a very strong mystery for Job about God. And in the end, because he was questioning, well, God, how can you, what about this? And finally, in the end, when he sees God, he goes, okay, guess what? I smack myself on the lips or whatever, you know, because you are unbelievably, I, you, you're more than I can even begin to think or, or question or wonder about. You're, you're a lot bigger than all my situations, all my problems and everything else. And I think that's what has to happen is God has to become bigger than our suffering, bigger than our situations, bigger than whatever it is that we may stumble across or get into because he is bigger than those problems. And that's really the only way for us to be able to walk through them, I think, knowing the character of God, learning the character of God. And I think every day is that's part of it. What do you like, God? I want to know you. I, I think I think it comes from Job 42, and I'm not sure why I'm thinking it comes from Job 42, but I, I think Job himself says, I had heard of you mm-hmm. before, but now I know you. So that knowing is obviously an intimate type of knowing. Yeah. Right? So in other words, he knew in his head about God, but after he went through what he went through, right, and God came close to him, and right, then all of a sudden what he had in his head kind of fell away because now what he had was this knowing, this intimacy in his heart and his spirit where he, he... he knew God, not just in the sense of intellectual knowing. 
Yeah, and there, I'm sorry to say, there's some horrible teaching out there around Job. It almost, the kind of things they're saying would be the same things that his little buddies that came around sat around and said all the wrong things. And, and you know, to me, that's dangerous. You've taken the same side as these guys in, in a way without realizing it. Um, there was a, a, a passage that Job said, that which I feared has come upon me. And so people say, oh, that was his negative faith, and that's why all this stuff happened to Job. No, no, that is not why all this stuff happened to Job, because of anything about his negative faith or anything else. That, that which I feared has come upon me, that fear was, was that Job really did not fully understand the mystery of God. That's, that's what it was. Not, he did not really grasp. He said, that which I fear has come upon me, if you put it in a context, was that, that, that there, are, there are mysteries, even in all the laws and the rules and everything that they followed to be, to be righteous and walk out righteousness. He says, there's still a mystery and a part of God here that I fear I'm missing. And he said, that's come upon me now, and I'm having to wrestle with this whole thing of now going through all of this suffering yet i did everything without sin but i'm going through this suffering and 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 so that was his mystery and he had to come to grips with it he says you know um but yeah there's there's a lot of false stuff that gets mixed in in there to kind of prove our point about something you know and that's sad why don't we deal with it like it really is and, and, and then ask God. Get to know God. Get to know his character. Because you may need it someday when tribulation, persecution arises because of the word of God where you stumble. In Mark 8, starting in uh, chapter 31, Jesus is talking about... Um, He's teaching his disciples that he's going to have to suffer and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he spoke plainly about this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. That just made me think of uh, what you were saying about the teaching, how... Even people who, that was Peter, you know? Sure. And he had in, thing, in his mind the things of men. And, you know, Jesus rebuked him and said, get behind me, Satan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's bless the listeners. Lord, in Jesus' name, I bless those who today have joined us. I bless them with, with roots that would go deep into you, mm. that would drink in deeply from you, who maybe their capacity has been, has, has felt like it's just kind of run out and they almost feel like they're giving up or in despair about something that you would just flood them and open up those venues with an amazing sense of your glory. Bless them with that. Bless them with a, a, a new appetite, a new sense of, of 
of your presence and your power generate new capacity in them and recognizing that they can walk through this valley of the shadow of, of evil or whatever it may be. They can walk through it because you're with them and you never leave or forsake them. In Jesus' name, we bless the listeners with a hunger for righteousness and eyes that are fixed upon our Messiah, who Mm. is the author and the finisher and the perfecter, that you will finish and perfect our faith. And with a desire to become part of this tree of life that fills the whole earth. I bless you in the name of God Almighty with a deeper relationship with Jesus, that Jesus would be the source of your endurance and comfort, and that he would grace you with the ability to abide in him. Mm. 